Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to the Art of Charm podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm AJ. Thanks for joining us on the show where we bring you actual tips and strategies on how to connect socially, boost your emotional intelligence, and navigate all the nuances of transformation. Each month we cover a theme directly from our boot camp program so that you can get an insider's view of what we do. And that's right. This month we are exploring transformation, putting thoughts into actions in order to make changes in our lives. That could be a physical change, a change in a habit, or even a behavioral change. But transformation is hard work, right, Johnny? It certainly is. And it's important to understand the process of transforming yourself. There are always going to be obstacles in the way. You know, like procrastination or feelings like envy. And today, we're going to kick off our month on transformation with, you guessed it, a toolbox episode to cover all of this. And it is also a new month, which means we are collecting questions from you for our Q&A episode. That's right. At the end of the month, we're going to be answering all of your questions about transformation or social dynamics, questions that are sparked from listening to this show, and you can head on over to theartofcharm.com slash questions to share them with us. We want to hear from you. And it's easy to drop us a line. Just go to theartofcharm.com slash questions and share your questions. You can also hit us up on Instagram, at theartofcharm. Plus, Johnny and I are over there as well at AOC Johnny, and me, at AJ Harbinger. And before we start, we also want to remind you that we run live, in-person, advanced social skills training programs here in sunny Hollywood. That's right. They are filled with over 12 years of immersive coaching experiences. So if you enjoy what you hear on this show, but you feel stuck or want to sharpen your social skills, gain that edge on your competition, our signature boot camp is where you want to be. Imagine taking all this material you hear on this show to the next level, working with our team of social dynamics experts who will help you level up your networking skills and boost your emotional intelligence. If you want to learn more about these world-class bootcamp programs, check us out at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. We would love to work with you in LA or even Vienna. Now, I know, Johnny, you're really excited to tackle this month's theme, transformation. And I just want to take a step back. Some of our listeners may be finding us for the first time, yeah. may not realize what we spent the last 12 years working on as coaches and yes. helping transform our clients' lives. So this is a topic near and dear to our hearts. 
Well, especially because in order to trans help transform other people's lives, you have to be in the role of transforming your own, own life. And along with that, a lot of you are tuning in because you've recognized that you want to improve. Yes. And when we talk about transformation, there's really two reasons that pop up for wanting to improve. The first reason is an external problem. Yeah. So a breakup, passed over for a promotion, not being able to make friends, moving to a new town. Well, you, it's the, the rock bottom thing, right? You, you, there's a point in your life where you decide that things have to change. Enough you've, is enough. You've seen this movie several times before. Enough's enough. And so you're open to new ideas. You're open to trying things in a different manner because you desire different results. But I want to say that when we talk about transformation, not everybody is willing or capable to transform. In fact, there are a lot of forces that we're going to talk about here yes. working against that transformation in yes. our human nature. And with that, when we think about top performers, they oftentimes are in the second category of transformation where they just want to improve for the sake of improvement. Mm -hmm. They see some results and they think they can do better. Now, when we talk about these two different forces behind transformation, the first one feels like it's out of necessity. This major problem has arisen in your life. Yes. You've been dumped. You can't make friends. You did not get the promotion. And this problem turns into a necessity. I have to get this solved. Well, yeah. And there is so much to go along with it. We're going to do our best to do what we can for this hour, but there's so much to talk about here. And, and this, and as I said, this is one of my, my favorite topics. Well, our goal today is to bring in some philosophy and then really get into the science because yeah. most of us are here because we want to improve. And of course we want to figure out scientifically what is the shortest path between A and B. Now, when we think about out of necessity, it tends to get a bad rap. Right. When we think about the top performer who's trying to get to the next rung, that's seen more as like a noble cause. Oh, okay. You want to improve for the sake of improvement. You're not wanting to improve for the sake of this problem that's presented itself. But let's be honest, both of those are valid reasons to sure. transform. Absolutely. You know, we're going to equate a lot of things today, especially with the gym, because that's certainly where a lot of this begins. You, it's easy to get the physical changes first. We always talk about body language and work there first and, and then start going to the outside. And my point is how many people who go to the gym plateau, they go in and they do the exercises that they know and they kind of get to a certain point. I, I know I plateaued in going to the gym. I know you have, I see it in everyone who gets excited about going to the gym and you have to keep it novel and you have to blast through uh, certain limitations in order to continue creating this change. And much like the gym, what do you need when you get to that point of plateauing? Uh, you need more skills. You need a coach. You need a trainer to help you push through some of these limitations because you've never been there before. Right. Then it comes down to the finer details, right? Yeah. Most of us know how to throw some weights around, start running, start doing something and moving. And that's all great. And it's going to start to get you results. But that plateau happens because there's more nuance to the change. 
And that's ultimately why a lot of us reach out to coaches mm -hmm. because we understand our own limitations and our own governor that we're going to dig into here. Now, of course, we'd be remiss without talking about the philosophy of transformation because this really led to the science in this field of trying to figure out how to transform the human body and the human mind. Yeah, and, and I think all Western, Eastern philosophies have their, their people pushing it forward and they're, and they're all great ideas. However, being in the West, we're going to go with one of my favorite thinkers and one of the, the people, one of the people who felt that they were the first psychologist and we will go with Nietzsche. Now, I want to start by saying when we think about the stories that are shared over time for generations, they all involve transformation. Yes. Every story that's passed down, whether it's religious, whether it's a famous Shakespearean play, there's always this transformation woven into it. Because it's the greatest story ever told. It is your battle between good and evil that lies within you to reach your max potential. And guess what? You don't know what it is. You can only go on the ride to end up figuring out what it is. And the ride is, it's, it's tough. It can be scary, but it's also glorious. Absolutely. And when we think about these stories of transformation, well, we can trace it back to our own burning desire to transform ourselves as humans, to be wanting, to be envious, to want more to consume more, to improve more, to no matter what, seek out a greater being for ourselves. And a lot of us find these limitations and frustrations to be motivational. Some of us may struggle to find that motivation. We're going to dig into that too. But let's talk about Nietzsche's work for a few minutes here. And I want to preface this by saying that I, as as much as I love philosophy, I am an amateur philosopher, and 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 it's and, and I study it as best I can. It is difficult. Reading Nietzsche is near impossible for somebody in 2019. However, I will say that you can go on YouTube and find great summaries and lectures of all of his stuff, and I and I find it fascinating, and it's very. It's easily digestible. And even one of our sponsors, Great Courses Plus, has yes. courses on this. And yes. we are amateur philosophers. Yeah. I took a 300-level <laughs> philosophy course, Intro to Existentialism, but I certainly did not ace it, and I do not consider myself a philosopher by any means. So we are armchair quarterbacking. But that said, we love Nietzsche's work for three reasons. And first, really, his ideas around self-development were and are groundbreaking. Yeah. And when we unpack them, as we will in a little bit here, there's a lot to dig into. Well, we're looking at what, 1870? Exactly. So there is a lot going on in world history as well to keep in mind. Now, yeah. the second is that more than 100 years later, behavioral science has actually picked up and is now scientifically proving his relevance yeah. and his work. Yes. Which is really exciting. And now third is that Nietzsche stated in his own works that he is not writing for the masses. This is one of my favorite things because one of those points where when I got into self-development and I was sharing all these ideas, I was met with 
criticism and people just dumping on me and laughing and like, what do you need that for? And even to this day, even to this day. So I know and feel that everybody should be in the self-development, but unfortunately only the courageous are going to get into it. The self-actualizers. Because there's a lot of work with this. And in in his uh, book, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, Zarathustra comes down from the mountains to to give the world his knowledge that he had acquired in the 10 years of solitude that he had put himself in. And he comes down to teach everyone the overman. And the overman was this idea that you have to overcome oneself to become who you actually are, which is utterly brilliant. We could break that down in a million different ways, but I, I love that. And he's spouting all this off and he's so excited to share with everybody. And they all, the crowds then begin to ridicule and laugh at him about this idea. And understanding what we're about to dive into, we know that transformation, self-actualization is not for everyone. And I want to also state that he, upon coming down from the hill, he had found this, this other old man and, and was telling the old man that I've been in the mountains, I have all this information, I have all this knowledge, and I've come down to share it. And he was starting to explain it to the old man, and the old man says, yeah, that's not, that's that's not going to go down so well. No. And he's like, well, you know, that's just one person. And he continues on. And, and so he find, finds this crowd and he begins to do his thing. And yeah, that's, they, they just start tearing him apart. Now, to kick this all off, we want to talk about envy because it also gets a bad rap. A lot of us view envy as a very negative thing. And because of it, we feel bad about ourselves when we are envious. But envy can actually be a driving force in our transformation. There's many of them. That is certainly one of them. And Nietzsche viewed envy as a very powerful driving force for a better person. Yes. Now, it's what you do with the envy. Yes. That's important. That's the caveat. But there's nothing wrong with feeling envious. There's nothing wrong with envy. We want to turn it into a motivator. So when we see something that someone else has, we don't have to look at it as beating ourselves up or a negative thing. We need to turn that into Oh, I want that too. What do I have to do to get to that place? What do I have to do to achieve that? And it's not a reason to complain. Mm -hmm. I hear this a lot online. You know, people bash envy. People complain about feeling envious. You need to understand that these feelings and emotions, as we've talked about over the last year plus, these are normal. They're not going away. And your attempts to hide them, obfuscate them, try to run from them, what ends up happening is even worse than just feeling the emotion and processing it. Yes. You put yourself, you're digging a a hole for yourself that you continue to get deeper in. And the other thing about it is we, we've talked about this with Russ Harris in the happiness trap, which is through our, the culture that we live in here in America, there is a lot of put on consumerism and certainly envious of other people are doing these things and we need to do these things as well. And so we get into this rat race of things that we will, we think will allow those upsetting feelings to wash away. And we get off track of our self-actualizing ourselves. We get off track of pursuing ourselves being greater 
And we start chasing these things that we feel that would allow these envy and jealousy and anxiety to wash away. And all of those are trying to push us in the right direction. And we have a lot of other systems and for Nietzsche and, and his predecessors, Schopenhauer, which is we have all these ancient systems such as uh, reproduction, consuming, eating, pleasure, that that are all fighting for the same attention. And because they're all fighting for the same attention, the ones that speak louder are going to get fed. Right. They're distractions. Mm -hmm. They don't actually mitigate the emotions. They don't process the emotions in a healthy way. The other point you brought up was anxiety. Yeah. Right? So we, we pillory envy. We talk about envy being a bad thing. We feel shame around envy. And Nietzsche argues, use envy as motivation. Allow yes. it to fuel that fire. Now, he also believed that anxiety has meaning, and it's an indicator of meaning. Yes. So anxiety is not something that we want to dull. It's not something that we want to run from. It's not something that's necessarily a bad thing. In fact, in those areas of our lives where we're starting to feel a little anxiety, it typically means, well, we got to push a little further because something amazing is just the other side of it. Yes. This bears repeating. You only feel anxious things in your life that are important to you. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling a little social anxiety right now, guess what? It's because we are wired for community. We are wired to communicate with one another. We are wired for connection. And it's also an indicator of an area where you should move into. If you're feeling anxiety about going out socializing, that's because that is a new frontier in which you can develop yourself. And this is where modern science kicks in. Yes. Because psychologists call this experiential avoidance. Yep. And here's the thing. Experiential avoidance is highly correlated with low levels of life satisfaction. So if you are avoiding these things, if you are allowing anxiety to stop you from talking to people, if you are allowing anxiety to stop you from going out of your house, if you're allowing anxiety to stop you from leaning into your career and trying to go after these pursuits that really matter to you, well, guess what? This experiential avoidance leads to low life satisfaction. It leads to depression. In internet culture, there's some new terms that I'm seeing uh -oh. that are starting to come up over and over again. And this is where I, I try to be hip with the kids, right? <laughs> I'm taking notes. <laughs> and so if this enters my world, then it's, it's now coming into the mainstream. And there is this thing that the, the, the kids are talking about, which is they're calling certain people doomers. And the doomers are people who are, because of the internet having all the world's information on it, and they're, they're researching and they're doing all these things, and they're looking at things in a, through a very scientific lens, they tend to see the world as empty, uh, no, life has no meaning, and become, and they have a very a nihilistic view that nothing matters. And once you go down that road, well, why are you going about to, uh, to develop yourself if there's no purpose in it? And what happens with this, if you continue to phosphor that and you're going to, if you can find other communities on the internet, we're just full of these people who can just lay in that feeling and of course, if that's the case, then your daily routine is looking of how can you distract yourself from these negative feelings, negative feelings. And the other term 
that I'm seeing pop up, which is then the doomers who are able to pull themselves out and to then they become bloomers. Oh, doom to bloom. Doom to bloom. And so the bloomers are those who have went through that depression, who have went through that nihilism and managed to create and put together meaning in their life and a purpose that is larger than them, which involves self-actualizing community and a life purpose and goal, which they can then chase. And then they've escaped these feelings of anxiety and depression that they're trying so desperately to avoid and distract themselves from they're now they've worked through them and they have this new outlook on life. And if you can reach to that point, then everything becomes a challenge. It's blissful. It's learning failure washes away because failure is now replaced with learning opportunities. Rejection has washed away because it's now filled with opportunities. So how can you better yourself? And so your framing of the, of, the world around you begins to change. And there's a lot of work that has to go there. And I think this is where another point where Nietzsche talks about, if you look into the abyss, it looks back at you. And then you have to go through that into the other side in order to be reborn, in order to become the bloomer. And a lot of times this will simply be a view of our own mortality. Yes. Coming to grips with it, whether it's through the loss of a parent. I know I went through it losing my dad. And it's a life-shaking moment sure. of, hey, this is very temporal. We need to make the most out of the little bit of time that we have. And that can, can create this blooming that you're discussing. Now, when we are going about our daily lives and avoiding discomfort, avoiding anxiety, we are setting ourselves up for a greater fall that may even be unhealthy. But the realization that you're here, you want to improve, step one. Now, as we discussed, understanding anxiety and envy are not necessarily bad things to avoid. In fact, they can fuel this fire of transformation. Next up, we're going to look at procrastination and what research has to say about that. Because we know procrastination is the evil enemy of transformation. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all gonna give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility 
at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, when we look at this desire to control our emotions, for some of us, it's mitigating that anxiety, it's mitigating that envy. Well, there's a study that deals with a very prevalent problem in our day and age, procrastination that we thought was fantastic. And procrastination is a classic example of experiential avoidance because it gives you short-term relief. Oh, I don't have to do that thing that I don't want to do at the expense of the long-term goal. And we all know our own battles with procrastination. Now, in a study done in 2013 titled Procrastination and the Priority of Short-Term Mood Regulation, Consequences for Future Self, Dr. Pitchell and Dr. Sirwa looked at the causes of procrastination. And what they found, this is a mouthful, but very important, the focus on short-term mood repair that characterizes procrastination reflects not just the primacy of immediate mood over long-term goals and rewards, but the primacy of present self over the needs of future self. In other words, we procrastinate in order to improve our mood in the present moment, but it's always at the expense of our goals and our future self. In fact, the study published by Hayes, Strassel, and Wilson in 1999 showed that trying to not feel the negative emotions that we're currently feeling very often has the opposite effect. It actually strengthens the emotions. Yep. Avoidance strengthens. By the way, it's one of those names that sounds familiar. We had Dr. Hayes on our show twice in the past few months, episodes 729 and 754. Understanding that this avoidance causes more pain and strengthens all of what we're feeling and anxiety is not where we want to be. Well, we know through neuroplasticity that we're programming ourselves. So if you are avoiding, looking for distraction, procrastinating, you are sowing actions that will soon be habits. And then you're going to have to live within these habits, the environment in which you created through your habits. So of course, they're going to reinforce those feelings. Exactly. Let's, let's unpack that quickly. Thoughts lead to actions. Yes. Actions lead to habits. Yes. Habits lead to character. And character leads to destiny. A lot of us look at the far end of that equation, the destiny, the character. Mm -hmm. I want that. Well, guess what? It starts with looking at your thoughts and which thoughts become actions. And, and this is what's interesting because everyone knows what they need to be doing. It's no, it's no secret. However, it's the action that you're going to take in the right direction. A lot of people tend to just want to wait for inspiration to slap them over the head. And all of a sudden, you know, as if God's hand comes from the sky and opens up the roof and picks them up and says, here you go, let's move this way. And we know that you don't get motivated to go to the gym. You go to the gym to get motivated. You got to get the chemicals flying. So you have to pick a road. This is what makes this journey so special because you don't know where it's going to end up leading. You don't know the person that you can become because 
it's not written out. You have to go on this journey, which is also going to be outside your comfort zone, which makes it this special, unique thing to you. Action breeds everything that we're talking about here. And let's be honest, thought suppression doesn't work. In fact, Ralph Waldo Emerson has a brilliant quote about just this. Sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. Now, a lot of us put all of our focus on the destiny and the character that we want to become. We don't realize that self-actualization starts with your thoughts and which thoughts turn into actions. We've discussed this, you know, and in fact, I remember we discussed this in detail with Drama, who we had on the show, about the difference between playing on waking up and going on the offense every day or waking up and going on the defense. When you're on the defense, you sleep into whatever you want, and then you get up and you handle things as they come at you. You are being pushed in certain directions. You have no control over what's going on. You're just handling things as they come. When you wake up early and you get ahead of everything, you are now on offense. You now can dictate in the direction that you, that you want to be moving, which allows you to take action on the thoughts that you have. Now that you've taken action on the thoughts that you have, you're now looking to build habits for yourself. That, those habits that you're building for yourself have to be done on offense if you want them to move you in a certain direction rather than that direction being pointed out for you. Now that those habits have been built, you're now living in an environment that your habits have created for you. And now you become a product of that environment. So you're now this character. You're now this person that your environment has pressured you into. You could think of, of coal turning into this diamond. And now because you're on offense, you've, this character has been created. You are now in charge of what your destiny is going to be. It's a beautiful chain reaction of events that, that you can choose to, to, to go on. Now, the caveat here is it's not about suppressing thoughts. It's about recognizing that only certain thoughts need to become actions. That's where a lot of us screw it up. In fact, Dan Wagner, a psychology professor at Harvard University, did an experiment back in the 80s where he asked the study participants to not think of a white bear for five minutes. And whenever they did think of one, they had to ring a bell. Well, you can imagine <laughs> how that went. What he found was that while one part of our mind is doing its best not to think of a white bear, there's another part of our brain that's constantly checking in saying, just want to make sure you're not thinking of that white bear right now. How's that going? And if that sounds ironic to you, well, guess what he's called this effect? It's called the ironic rebound in scientific research. This experiment has since become the infamous white bear problem. And since its publication in 1987 has sparked an entirely new field of study on thought suppression. Now, we are digging deep into the science here, and this is why the third mindset shift that needs to happen for transformation to be possible is you can control how you behave, but you can't control what you think or feel. I'm going to say that again because it's a really important understanding when we think about transforming ourselves. You can control how you behave meaning which thoughts turn into actions, 
but you cannot control or suppress your thoughts or emotions. That is the losing battle. And here we go. So when you wake up in the morning and you know what you have to be doing in order to act on a thought, in order to build a habit, in order to become this character, in order to create your destiny, no matter how you're feeling, you have to do the thing you have to do when you know you have to do it, whether or not you want to do it. That self-actualization is in large part driven by discipline. Now, we had one of my favorite people and yours and somebody who has inspired us to go a little bit harder than normal. Extra, as extra the kids hard, say. Extra. To go harder, uh, we had David Goggins on. And David Goggins, to me, just very much represents that discipline of I know how I feel. I know what's going on. I know what I want to be doing and I know what I'm going to be doing. And, you know, for the people who, who think, Oh man, I just wish I could get up and, and run like that guy. He's talked about staring at his shoes for 30 minutes going, God, what am I? God. And the first time he ran <laughs> and, and being out of shape and overweight, yeah. you know, a lot of people, again, look at the character, look at the destiny. They don't look at the process that got there. And on that, I can speak to my, for my own experiences. And you and I have this talk. We work out together. Uh, we have the same trainer. And there are some of those days that are harder than, some days I wake up before the alarm, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to go at it, throw anything at me, I'm ready to take it on. And, and it's amazing. So, some days it's like if I could just get this first cup of coffee down and get, I think I'm going to be all right. And it's, it's in those moments where this, you're a true test of the character that you want to be and how you're going to go work through that. And if it's a bribe to yourself in order to get it done, if it's pushing through whatever you're telling yourself to get it done, whatever. Well, a lot of it is multiple factors. It's an investment in yourself, a mm -hmm. monetary investment. Yep. It's accountability in your friend, in me, and accountability to the trainer because we booked his valuable time. Sure. It's understanding that these actions are not easy. Transforming oh. yourself is not easy. In fact, there are large forces working against us. So we have to do everything in our power to pull every lever. And listen, there are a number of people who call in and say, I want to take a program. I'm interested in a program. And I ask how they found us. And they say the podcast. And they tell us, you know, I've tried a few things, but they haven't stuck. Yep. I need accountability. I need to be pushed to do this. I know what's good for me. I know the character that I want to become. I may not be clear on the destiny, but I know all the virtues that I want. But building those are not always easy. And it's okay to need a push, a helping hand, an investment, stakes, whatever the case may be, to move you in the direction of transformation. Once you're able to overcome your thoughts and do reap the actions that you, you want to be performing and be putting these habits together, becoming this character, you will find yourself now looking and doing things differently. For instance, now that these habits and this character has been built within myself, I could tell you that on Saturday, which was a day that I didn't have anything to do. I, I could have, I could lounge and, and uh, all day. However, it was about two hours into my day where I realized that's not going to happen. I, so I had to clean the pool. 
I had to do an hour of exercise. I had to finish a book that for uh, an author that we're going to have coming up and then go over some guitar lines for the band I'm in to, for the next rehearsal. It was at that point where I was finally like, huh, I can relax now. Now, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that Saturday of just lounging would have been a Saturday of just lounging. When you put yourself in this position, you can't help but do these things because it's what needs to be done. It, it's, the habits become ingrained. Mm -hmm. And, and that reinforcement allows you to now build the character that is disciplined, that shows up, that does the hard thing first, that doesn't look to shirk responsibility. Once these habits get built, how do you feel about yourself every day? And when you look back through journaling or being reflective of how you felt previously and realize that that's not happening again and how I feel and moving forward it is now, and I hear this through a lot of people who are in the self-development, who are in the self-actualization, is once they go on the offense and they get ahead, they know, much like civilization, much like society, it doesn't take very much for it all to go come crashing down. It doesn't take very much for the anxiety for the envy to creep back for in the and resentment. control your actions. Absolutely. And so it, that's why it can seem as if those people who, who are getting ahead seem like they're running from something like David Goggins. It could seem like he's running from something. Well, we, because we all know what we've come from. We all know what the abyss is. We've all been there and guess what? We're not going back. Yeah, as we started the show with, right? These two driving forces, external, huge problem, concern, crises lead to transformation. And then there are the internal forces. And in large part, what tends to happen is you go through one transformation. And for a lot of our participants in the program, it is a transformation in job, career, or physical transformation. Yep. And once you go through that transformation, you come out the other side, you see the improvement, you see all the hard work that went into it, you now look at other areas of your life and say, okay, well, why don't I transform this area? Why don't I transform my social life? Why don't I transform myself romantically? Why don't I transform myself professionally? And it's funny, all it takes is one of these dominoes to fall yep. for the rest to start working in your favor. Now, after the break, we're going to talk about two proven techniques to help you make that shift and take action. All right, now we got a little philosophical. We dumped some science into the mix here yeah. when it comes to transformation. We want to end this episode with two solid techniques that you can use as you bounce from the show in your life to start transforming. And these two proven techniques are exactly what we teach in our program. So you're getting a little dose of what our students learn when they come work with us. The first one leverages our past success to boost us in the present. And in 2015 paper, Sonia Kang, Adam Galinsky, and their team showed evidence for what they termed low power threat and high power lift. Now, in short, when we feel in power, we pursue approach goals. We go for it. We get things done and our performance is elevated. However, when we feel powerless, we instead pursue inhibition goals, meaning we perceive everything as a threat and so we retreat and do nothing. Here's what you need to do. 
This is called the 555 technique. And those of you who've gone through one of our programs are probably already familiar with it. Write down five things that you're good at. Then five things you're proud of. And we're going to end it with five situations where you completely rocked it. It doesn't matter what those are. This could be the day you gave a presentation five years ago and got standing ovations, or that one time you cracked a joke at work and everyone burst into laughter. Note how this is very different from positive affirmations. These are not items that you wish were true or you're slowly working towards. All of them have already happened, and you can look back on them as your successes. Now, the entire point of this technique, the 555, five things you're good at, five things you're proud of, five situations you completely rocked it, is designed to nudge you out of the powerless state that low power threat state and into the high power lift state where now you feel compelled, you feel full of power, your performance is elevated to take action. And this is where belief structures come in. You have to build these belief structures that allow you to act in a, and, and accordingly to feel powerful rather than powerless. Depending on what you're thinking about, that's going to set a state. And is it that point that you can start taking responsibility for the thoughts and the actions and the, the, the habits and the character and then create the, the destiny. But it has to start from a place of power that you've realized, that you've seen, that you want to capitalize on, that you want to bring out more. And that's how we start building those beliefs yes. that empower us. Yes. Now, the second technique is asking the question of workability. This digs deep into the findings of behavioral sciences and it's a bit more complex, so hang with me here. As we've discussed previously, you have no power over your thoughts and emotions. So that goes out the window. We're not trying to control those and certainly not trying to suppress those. But you do have the power to question whether or not they are helpful. So instead of saying, how do I stop worrying or how do I stop feeling anxiety or how do I deal with this problem? Ask yourself, is worrying or feeling anxious right now helping me become the person I want to be? Is all of this worrying, is all of this anxiety actually helping me self-actualize? Now, sometimes the answer to that question might be yes. Just think of preparing for a job interview or an exam. Obviously, anxiety is going to be a part of it. Or when you're walking into the unknown, you're doing something for the first time. You don't know what you're going into, so of course you're nervous. Of course you have a bit of anxiety. You're unprepared. And that pressure can lead to more preparation and improved performance. But more often than not, you'll find that these experiences are not helpful. Or as psychologists would say, they are not workable. This is the concept of workability. If you're at a social event and you're preoccupied with worries about what people think about you or you're feeling anxious, guess what? That's not going to help you have great conversations, have connection, enjoy the moment. You know, when I, when I have those thoughts, right, when I, when I am worried or I, have anx um, I am being anxious, there's some anxiety going on. I indulge in it for a second. I go, okay, we're feeling this way. Let's, let's just go right into it. Let's just freak out. How's that, how's that going to help us out? Go ahead. Just lose it. I'm like, well, now you put that way. 
That's not no, really I don't want to lose it. <laughs> it's not going to do anything for you. It's not going to help me out. It's only going to make things worse. The other great question to ask yourself is, if I didn't have these thoughts and feelings, if I felt super confident, how would I behave right now? Yeah. Right? Counterbalance it. Think about the opposite. Now, because of that, you actually have a workable solution, Right? You can stop wasting energy trying to change those thoughts, and you can now put energy into the behaviors you've identified that you want to become as we're building that character. Maybe your answer to the question is along the lines of, well, if I were perfectly confident, I'd stand much closer to the high traffic areas, I'd open my body language up, I'd make great eye contact, and I'd say hi to people that walk past. The important thing to realize is your answers here need to be concrete actions, right? Everything we talked about, stand closer in high traffic areas, open up your body language, make better eye contact, say hi to people as they walk past. These are all things that you would be doing confidently, and these are concrete actions, right? That's what we're looking for by asking these questions. When we're thinking about workability, we want things to be actionable. So these, these other, you know, the anxiety, the, the worrying, the nervousness, all, everything that goes with the other feelings that are keeping you from doing the things that you want to be doing, those are lower tier feelings. They're only a distraction. And if you don't awaken yourself to those, then they're going to push you in a, in a direction that is not your, the path you want to be on. That's going to push you into the abyss to rise through it. You have to awaken to these feelings and then choose to move forward with stronger feelings and conviction, mm -hmm. right? Understanding the power within yourself to transform, understanding how to mitigate the factors that are working against you and highlight the factors that will empower you to build those actions into habits those habits into your character and achieve your destiny. Now, we want to end with a challenge, the same challenge we just posed earlier. We want you to write down your 555 list yeah. and put it somewhere you'll see often. We want you to be reminded of your past successes as often as possible. And if you're up to it, send us your list. Let us know what you came up with. Johnny and I are fascinated to see your 555. You can let us know. We're excited to hear from you as always. Head on over to theartofcharm.com slash questions. You can record your voice. You can shoot us an email, questions at theartofcharm.com. And as always, you can find us on social at The Art of Charm, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, if you could do us and the entire Art of Charm team a big favor, leave us a review on iTunes. Head on over there, find our show, leave us a review. It helps other people like yourself find us, and we love and enjoy reading them. The Art of Charm podcast is produced by Chris Olin and Michael Harold. This show is recorded at Cast Media Studios in sunny downtown Hollywood and engineered by Danny Luber and Bradley Denham. I'm AJ. And I'm Johnny. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a fantastic week.